there, mommies. This is Sherry Hayes with MomDelights.com. I'm the mom of 15, been homeschooling for over three decades, and I want to give you something that will bless you today. So go ahead and wash your dishes or fold your laundry or change the baby's diaper, <laughs> whatever you need to do, and listen while we dig into the good life in Jesus. <laughs> Okay, so today we have been talking about all the way, well, not all the ways. We've been talking especially about five ways that our mommy joy can be stolen from us. And should we have mommy joy? Should we be joyful moms? Absolutely. It's in the Bible, right? So let me read that scripture to you real quick. But as our general outline for this study, we've been using my book, Glorious Mothering, that I wrote a few years ago. You can find it on Amazon, but you don't have to buy it. You can still enjoy the podcast without it. And specifically, what we talked about as being God having promised mommy's joy is found in Psalm 113.9, and it says this, He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord, a joyful mother mother of children. You know, it, for a long time, it's not been thought a joyful thing to have children, has it? When we look all over the world, do you know that in South Korea, the replacement rate is down to one point, uh, sorry, not one, point seven. In other words, the replacement level, I think, is like 2.3 children per couple to account for infant death, right? So, all over the world, if we want to maintain our population, we have to stay above two children per couple. Worldwide, this is falling, falling, really, uh, in especially in Asia. In America, I think we're close to two, but um, like in Europe and in Asia, it's below one. And so people do not consider having children to be a joyous thing. And if they do, you can only have like one, so you can give them everything, right? <laughs> and then they might still make you miserable. But then as you age, when you get older, uh, according to our modern society, the government is supposed to be there to take care of us. But then we're seeing that the government really isn't adequate to even do that. So it's really God's way to be joyful mothers of children. Now, for those of us who have gone the route of wanting children and not being able to have any children, you know, God has provision for that in His Word all over the place for the women that were wanting children. And He talks about the women of the barren woman, I mean, <laughs> sorry, the, the children of the barren woman being more than the, children, than the children of the woman who gave birth. So, you know, you got to balance all that out. God is the God of all situations and all people. But if you have children, if you're capable of having children, that should be your joy. So we're going to talk about one of the ways that steal, one of the things that steal mommy joy. You can't, right? And that is specifically guilt. Oh yes, guilt. I think, I think that we all understand that, don't we? <laughs> okay, guilt is not, now I've got notes. These notes aren't in this book, so just enjoy. Guilt is not completely an unnecessary emotion. Did you know that? One of the best things we can do is recognize our guilt before God and others, right? I mean, there's just something cleansing when we have actually done something wrong. To admit our guilt sets us free and it sets others free when we do that. Okay, in fact, the recognition of guilt is the first step towards wholeness, right? The peace 
or shalom of God is what's meant by that wholeness. You know, when you, we talk about wholeness as persons, right? That, and I do not believe that God is against that. He's not just an ogre that only wants to use us for his designs in the world. He actually cares for us as persons. This you can find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. talks about God redeeming us body, soul, and spirit, the whole person. And this kind of wholeness that God talks about in his word is the word peace. When we think of peace, we think of like, oh, it was finally peaceful. That means there was no noise or no commotion. But God's peace goes farther than just a lack of commotion. God's peace, um, when Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. Now that word peace is eirene. It's eirene, I think, in Greek, and it means one or quietness, rest, prosperity is one of its synonyms. Set at one again. In other words, things that were apart are set at one again. Uh, so prosperity, health of soul, that's your mind, will, and emotions. Serenity is just one of the synonyms of peace, but peace has many different synonyms. And it all has to do with completeness, okay? And, and I, read, I read this in a commentary. Okay, peace means the completeness and prosperity of the entire person. So when we're talking about admitting our guilt being a step towards that completeness, those things seem like they would be opposed because guilt makes us feel like everything is bad. We're bad, so everything's bad. But there is a guilt that is cleansing and leads us to that wholeness. And how is that happening? Well, does this read on? This I found in a Bible commentary on uh, Jesus saying that my peace I give to you. It says, so the peace of Christ leaves us the power to hold the wildest fear in pause, to still a clamor or hush a cry. It is the coming of mercy to a sense of sin, of life to the fear of death, there are moments when into one human word may be condensed the love of a lifetime. So in that word peace, when Jesus said he, he left us with peace, we have his love of a lifetime for us. Okay? So we discover our guilt. We confess, right? Then we gain that peace. But, or do we gain that peace? Uh, let's take a little bit. When I first came to Christ, and I knew I was guilty, and he, I knew he gave me his peace through forgiveness, I was elated. But then as I grew in my life, I found that I was still assailed with guilt. And I think that if I were to gather every all, all of you out there, and I were to put you in a stadium, and I would say, who out here has been tormented with guilt, I think a lot of hands would be raised, right? Okay, especially as women, um, I think that we live in kind of a, a constant feedback controlled world, okay? We choose our action or non-action based on whether or not we feel guilty or not about something. Isn't, would you say that's true? I think in general it is. While men can easily be led by guilt, 
they are not as susceptible to it as women are. We tend to go by guilt for almost everything we do. <laughs> okay. In fact, we don't ever have to rely on facts, just how something makes us feel. <laughs> we refer to this as letting our conscience be our guide, right? But I would like to set before us a little tweak to this theory that our conscience should be our guide. A conscience is not necessarily something has God, that God has meant for us to rely on for godly living. Did you know that? A conscience is there. It's kind of like I have a kitchen scale. I don't use it very often, but it comes in handy every once in a while. My daughter, uh, before she left, she liked to take and she's a barista and she's really into coffee brewing. So she would like to measure her, how much coffee grounds she would use in her French press machine with my scale. Now when you have a scale, a scale is just a measuring device. And this scale can either do measuring, measure things in either grams or in ounces. And you have to tell it which one to go by, right? Okay, so if we're going to rely on this device within is called our conscience. It first has to have information in order to make the right measurement of an action, okay? So, to be specific, we use usually use two standards, just like the grams and the ounces when we use our conscience. The first standard is the law of the knowledge of good and evil. And the second standard is the law of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, now this is hopefully going to be really, really good for setting you free, okay? This stuff that I'm sharing with you today is so that you can actually walk in the righteousness of God. And I'm not just talking some theory that you feel good. I'm talking your actions will actually bear out God's righteousness without you having to bear the burden of guilt as a believer in Christ. Okay, so I believe that this one law of the knowledge of good and evil is operating in this world and that's what most all of the horrible heartaches in the world is caused by. And I believe it's in, in every religion and it can be in Christianity, and it can kill within Christianity, okay? Now this law was born when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Before that, they were naked, they didn't even know it, right? God walked with them every day in the cool of the evening, and he never said, you know, I don't mind walking with you, but did you know you're naked? You need to cover yourself up. He never said that, did he? No. They didn't even know that they were naked. They didn't know there was such a thing as being either good or evil, did they? But when they partook of the tree, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they could see a difference, okay? Now this is also where most of our consciousness of what we call sin comes from, isn't it? Okay, it is also where a lot of destructive religious dogmatism comes from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At the root of this law is pride because we believe that we can be good. I know that sounds weird, but let me explain. <laughs> okay. The most proud, the one who accepts this most, is Satan himself. And as he's portraying himself in this time, he is actually a good guy, just misunderstood and mistreated. I don't know. I mean, they've got cartoons for kids about this. <laughs> 
All right, he said, and according to him, he could be a good guy. He just wasn't given a fair chance. Okay. This type of good, quote unquote, wouldn't mind a heaven without God as long as it was nice and everyone got along. You see, among the, the ideas of the tree of the knowledge and good, of good and evil is that there is a good apart from God that doesn't have anything to do with God, right? There's just a universal good that just everybody understands because that's good. And, and then we take and we judge God. Is God good or evil according to this standard of good and evil? Now, this was the good and evil understanding of the Pharisees who crucified Jesus. They measured him by their own consciences, which had been programmed by the law. Okay, by which the knowledge of good and evil was exposed. Now, the law exposed the knowledge of good and evil, but the Pharisees used it against the very one that was set to set us free from the law of good and evil. They had spent ages feeling naked, right? They knew they were naked. And so they covered their nakedness by pointing out everyone else's nakedness. <laughs> you see how religious this gets. You see how we can get caught up in this. And then this is on us. So we are filled with guilt. So we put guilt on everyone else. And we believe that's being a Christian. But it's not. All right. Guilt from breaking this law is relentlessly pernicious. Pernicious means like it just wants to eat you up. It cannot help anyone do anything but point out transgression wherever it can be found. In oneself and in every other person or system, it finds guilt. Guilt. Evil. Right? This is the guiltiness that usually pursues us. We're guilty. I feel guilty. I can't do that because I feel guilty. I have to do this because I feel guilty. Right? And get this, it doesn't necessarily have to do its job according to God's standards either. One's conscience, this thing by which we evaluate whether we're either good or evil, um, can be trained by false religions, by government propaganda, by books read and shows watched and other people too that were around. So what we feel most guilty about and what we guilt others about most likely has nothing to do with the heart and truth of God at all. Not one little lick. <laughs> this gets downright destructive, right? For instance, how many of us know a person who never misses a church service, tithes regularly, fasts, volunteers, and yet is a hateful, judgmental, and disagreeable person. Right? We all know somebody like that. Or we've known of somebody like that. Like, I've met people. <laughs> no, I won't go into that. <laughs> Guilt based on the tree of good and of the knowledge of good and evil does this to us and often we don't even realize it's happening. I mean, we can judge people based on all kinds of stuff, whether they're good or evil without knowing anything about them. Somebody can be walking down the street uh, in a shop someplace, and maybe they, they go to Walmart and they're dressed in their pajamas or their sweats, and we just assume, oh, that's another one of those, you know? And, you know, we do the TikTok videos and everything. What if that person just came from an emergency vi visit at the hospital where they lost a loved one, and so they are going to the store in their pajamas? How do you know the difference? You're going to go ask them? So why are you wearing pajamas, right? Are you going to really, do, does that really make a difference for you? Ugh. 
It's horrible how we are, isn't it? But here's the good news. Enough about that horrible stuff, right? This is in Romans 8.2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you want to know what God thinks of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? <laughs> and the lives based on it? Well, this scripture gives us an idea. It's in Isaiah 64, 6. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Now, let's go back to that one phrase. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. Now, all the things we think we're doing well, all the things we do right. Oh, I was so kind to that person. <gasps> you know, I always go to church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, my house is never dirty like those people. <laughs> oh, my kids. Oh, I couldn't believe her kids, but my kids are never acted like that. No. And we homeschool. You know, we homeschool and we homestead. I'm just saying. Right, because you know what it says here? It says, all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. Now, I want to take you back even to a worse place about this, of what God thinks about it. Okay, when we're talking, when it, the Bible says, like a filthy garment, you can go into the Hebrew, and that word filthy means polluted menstrual cloths. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what our righteousness is in God's eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's used pads. That's what it is. It's gross. I know it's gross. It's horrible. But that's what the Bible says. In Romans 3, 9 through 20, God says, we are all under sin. Not one of us is any different. Our actions and our thoughts can never line up with the righteousness of God. Never. So you don't have to worry. Like, oh, I know what. I should only do good things and not evil things. Well, happy, happy luck with that because it doesn't really matter. You know, your, even your righteousness, God's not going to count it for any good. I know, that's hard to take, isn't it? By the way, oh, sorry. And uh, our goodness, so-called, or our righteousness is nothing. Using the knowledge of good and evil as our standard does not keep us from guilt. Only the life in Christ Jesus can do that. Nothing else can. There's nothing else. Only His love can save us, not our good actions. Here's two facts for you. Number one, we are by definition guilty, bad, and evil. By definition, because we are born in sin. That's it. There we go. Ta-da! The end. Number two is nothing we try to do as good can change that fact. We're all guilty and nothing we can do will ever change that. No matter how good you try to be, you're still guilty. Just letting you know. So when we hear the accusers or our consciences say we are bad, we and we've done bad and we're guilty of something, we just say, yep, that's true. No question about it. There's no way we can make our lot ourselves good. But 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers sins. All of our sins. Before Christ, I was not a good person. 
But since Christ, I am righteous because of who he is. The perfect Son of God and his love covers my sins. If you think our human love can cover a multitude of sins, think about God's million, million times our love can cover our sins. Now, there was um, a mystic that lived in the 1600s. His name was Brother Lawrence. And whenever he committed sin, he would say, you know, Lord, that is just what I'm like without you. And then he'd just go on from there because he understood. He didn't have anything to prove to God. He wasn't trying to be good or get it all correct. He knew he was incorrect. And all the only way he could be correct is if he had God working in his life. Well, actually, you know, sometimes when we say that, I need God to work in my life, we're still trying to work it up, aren't we? Listen, God has to flow through us in this life to others. And he uses us in our personalities and everything else, and he loves that too, believe it or not. God loves us just like we are, and he likes spending time with us. Jesus was at that wedding in Cana, and he was celebrating. Don't you think? You think Jesus was sitting there. I'm going to judge everything they're doing. Look, they're dancing. <gasps> no, they're drinking wine. <gasps> no, I think I'll go make some. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Jesus enjoys us. You know, I don't know, something is going around lately. Like, he gets us. Oh, Jesus, he just gets us. Jesus gets us. He does. He does. And he loves us. And we can be ourselves. And if we're just ourselves, we have more of a chance of being so free in him that he can actually do good for other people through us than if we're always trying to make it right. I don't know if I'm getting through, but I hope I am. I hope this is just like recently, God has just been really bringing this home to me in so many wonderful ways. Now, here's another truth that's really, really, really important. There is no goodness apart from God because God, by definition, is good. So there is no good apart from him. Nothing. Nothing that's good in this whole world would exist without God. If there's a medicine that, that a man invented, like penicillin, that saved people in, from infection, that goodness came from God. Absolutely. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift, every perfect gift, everything good that you perceive as good in your life comes from God because God is the definition of good and nothing that's good comes down anywhere but from Him. So the only way we could be good is through God because God is good. Now the key to all of this, right, is humility and simplicity. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, and this is a very hopeful verse. For this is what the high and exalted one, who lives forever, whose name is holy, says, I dwell in a high and lofty place, and also with a contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to receive and to revive the heart of the contrite. So you don't have to try to be good all day. You just have to be humble and say, I don't know how to be good. God, I've got this whole house here to run. Uh, my husband's been grumpy lately for whatever reason, you know, work, money, life issues, whatever it is. Um, and I've got some children. I've got some teens with some issues. I've got toddlers that have 
issues. I'm having to go back and forth to the doctor. I mean, I, I'm just listing a number of things that could go wrong. I, I have people that are having trouble learning to read. I have neighbors that are snooty. I've got all this stuff and my laundry, and I don't know, I don't know what to do. I am so scared today that with all this pressure and all these difficulties, I'm going to do something that will make me bad, that will make me guilty, right? So I'm just coming to you, Jesus. I'm at loss. I don't even know what to do. I don't know where to start today. I open my eyes. What do I do now? Just be honest and then listen. You know, God, lots of the reasons why we can't hear God talk to us is because we're so full of our own ideas. But if you honestly don't have any ideas and then you operate in humility with faith, believing that he wants to help you, right? then he'll tell you things. You'll just get out of bed and you'll just start and you'll go over here. And so you'll do that. And you'll have an impression to do this. And well, uh, what should I do first, Lord? Should I wash dishes or fold laundry? <laughs> and you know what? He might say, don't do either. Sit down and read a story. Oh, okay. And then he'll say, you know, see what you did here? This is what you should do with this person. And this is what, you know, and step by step by step. Well, how do you think I have survived with 15 children with all these different kinds of personalities, I'm telling you what, they have run the gamut. I've had some that were energy, <laughs> like little tornadoes. I've had some that were like, really, you know, I have an autistic son, right? So they're into here, right? So how, what do you do? How do you do all these things? How can you be enough? You can't. You can't. You can't do it all right. It has to be a daily miracle. That's the only way that you can walk in this life with God and come out and go into heaven. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, it, it's where it says that God was separating out the sheep and the, from the goats. And he's saying, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you know what that implies to me is that when we try to do all the good things for God, but we never walk relationally with Him, He doesn't get to know us. And when you get into the heart of God more and more, you realize that's really the whole point of the exercise. He wants to know us. That's important. So, with having said all of that, how can we keep from the trap of guilt? By humbling ourselves so we can walk close with God. That's it. That's the whole thing. We avail ourselves to him, to listen to him, to share in our lives, either with the good and the bad. Now, you know, we can be totally honest about our bad. God, I really blew it. I just blew it so big. I'm so frustrated with myself. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that that shows that I just need you more. Right? And then he dwells with us. He dwells with us. Wow, that's so crazy. We will automatically be doing good because he is good. And our conscience will be drowned out by his precious guiding voice. We won't have to worry about our conscience anymore, right? Because he's just leading us and guiding us. And he'll correct us if we need correction. He'll point things out. But listening to his voice is a lot more efficient than listening to the voice of our conscience that, that's been trained by the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. <laughs> what a joy, what a privilege every day just to fall back into Him. Now, life in God is not about how correctly we act or think. It's about being scared little girls, snuggled close to His heart, 
and no guilt allowed. <laughs> so let me pray for you today. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I pray for all the precious sisters that are listening to me today. I ask you, Lord, to give them a sense of your presence as they open their hearts and their minds and their whole lives to you to bring back their mommy joy in everything they do or say, just to have you as their closest friend. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did so we could enjoy this wonderful life with you here on earth, your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, I hope this has blessed you today. It blesses me to talk about it. So, if you could leave a good review or some stars someplace or like and subscribe or whatever you can do to promote this, I really appreciate it. And if you go on my website, momdelights.com, you'll find all kinds of freebies and stuff that you can take advantage of for your homeschooling. And I usually try to have some kind of a, like a blog post concerning these videos that I'm making. So you can go there and enjoy that on my blog. And you just have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.